which is that dead pimp who was found in a brothel by Ron Jeremy and still got elected to Congress. Oh, yeah. I feel like he would be the perfect fit for Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. We're a little bit lazy after staying up all night to watch the game and just drinking heavily, but uh, we're here and we've got a lot of news and reviews and questions to get to. So hey guys, we've got Connor here, we've got Harry. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? Any crack? You know what the crack is. We were mm. up till 5am last night, man. The crack is Joe fucking 90, so oh, absolutely. I'm... <laughs> I'm shattered. That was. We'll discuss it later. But that was that was uh, that was worth saying. Up oh, it definitely was. Good God. Uh, how about yourself? It's you? shattered more than the dreams of Jeff Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to my beautiful game? Oh my. <laughs> yeah, it was a hell of a matchup last night. Definitely worthy staying up and all of the pints and stuff. Uh, you know, uh, welcome to Dublin, Fitz. Uh, it's a rare occasion we get you up these these days. So it, it's lovely. It's lovely up here. Mm. The greyness and the rain. Well, there's plenty of grey rain quite yeah. as well. We uh we, we did a proper. We went out for a for a hike around uh, Hoth Head yesterday. Yeah. And uh, then pints, pints, yeah. pints, pints, pints. And the one hill around Dublin that's as annoying as the ones in Cork. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we'll fly into the news. Uh, the big news, I suppose, coming out of this week is uh, that Washington quarterback Alex Smith has broken his leg in several places. Uh, reports are saying that it's some kind of spiralized compound thing. That spiralized? It's not a courgette, man. Yeah, well, spiral fracture or whatever, and uh, that the bone went out through the leg. Uh, not nice. Uh, so champion uh, backup Colt McCoy has stepped in and. Uh, yeah, they decided that that's probably not enough skill in their quarterback room and have decided to uh, pick up Mark Sanchez to go along with uh, Colt McCoy. Uh, Smith obviously got a big contract in the offseason. He's got uh, 71 million of guarantees in that, even if he is injured and out. And this looked like a bad one, didn't it? Yeah, this looked really bad. I mean, obviously, the obvious analogy was the Joe Theismann mm. uh, kind of thing. And I... Dyson himself apparently said that it looked as bad as, as what he suffered. It, yeah, because it, it was like weirdly on the same day with the yeah. same score. The same, same yard line. Same yard line, <laughs> same score, and Dyson yeah. was there as well. It, so. it, it was pretty brutal. Um, I Alex Smith is not a young man anymore, and it looked pretty bad, so this could turn into a career end, or I suppose it will depend on the exact prognosis, but based on what we've heard so far, it sounds like a really horrible injury. Yeah, no. And obviously you have to wish him the best of his recovery, but... Uh, this might be the last we've seen of Alex Smith. That kind of thing is going to be very, very hard to come back for, from. And the age he's at with the guaranteed money he's got, yeah. I can see why after that you might be like, well, this is a lot I'm putting my body through. Yeah. Maybe that's a sign. Um, but overall horrific. And I, I, again, one of those moments where they start doing the slow motion replays, you're like, what? Please don't. stop. Please stop. Uh, Washington obviously ended up losing that game to Houston. Uh, finally, the the lead streak is over where they hadn't had a lead change in any game so far this season. Uh, they're one game up on Dallas and two on Philly. Uh, they're about to play Dallas on Thursday, I believe. So uh, I think this kind of blows the NFC East wide open, doesn't it? That's it. We, we weren't massively high after all the injuries to the O-line. Yeah, no, I think with the offensive line changes and the fact that you know the team wasn't exactly like you know blowing the doors off even with one of the better offensive lines in the league mm-hmm. like I don't think any of us were very high on the Mazungus uh, this season but I think these injuries and this obviously is the the, the cap it all off uh, really means that you know that yeah like that division 
can you even consider the Mzungus to be the favourites in that division right now? Personally, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dallas do there. And like, obviously, that's two horrible teams you don't want to see <laughs> have any success. Uh, but uh, in this case, I think Dallas are probably have to be favourites. They're probably Bucky's favourites at this point. I think also from um, this perspective, it is the one thing they I suppose they have in their favour is that similar to Miami, they have a very vanilla offensive scheme which doesn't ask a lot of the quarterback. It's mm-hmm. a very like you know the, the kind of they're a trailer type approach like the quarterback isn't really running the offense it's all goes straight Adrian Peterson right now so maybe like Miami they can kind of struggle along and get to like 9 and 7 and sneak in in the playoffs but I don't think anyone's want that to be honest no of course and then whenever we look at uh, even the, the opposition so Dallas have looked a little bit better uh, since since picking up Amari Cooper for a first round pick which is still ridiculous um, but Philly like they got absolutely handled on the weekend as well by the Saints who decided to uh show some aggression and just keep going for it and keep going for it. So, uh, to be honest, I don't know what to make of this division, apart from the fact that we're going to be stuck watching them in primetime slots for a while. Of course, uh, we'll swing on a couple more injuries from around the league. So, LA Chargers defensive tackle uh, Corey Legit has torn his quad tendon and is gone for the season. That sounds nasty. Uh, Oakland's uh, wide receiver Brandon LaFell, uh, I think, caught two passes and then uh, collapsed into dust. And then Denver's uh, guard Max Garcia has torn his ACL and is out for the season. Oh my God! It's all of our divisional rivals who are having these season injuries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like obviously uh, the Raiders and the Broncos they, they they will play games till the end of the, the regular season, but they probably don't matter. Although the Max Garcia thing is interesting because they already lost their center and guard, mm-hmm. uh, other guard this season. But Corey Legion, I think that's kind of interesting because obviously they got Joey Boza back. Uh, but Corey Legion's kind of a, a very good defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. They build or a bit soft against the run, as we'll talk about in the game reviews. But it'll be interesting to see whether him plus Perryman being gone means that the Chargers suddenly get a lot uh, softer in the be- underbelly. Obviously, you don't take them seriously anyway. But uh, <laughs> ah, look, I don't not take them seriously. I well, just quite like, hard to after Sunday in fairness. Yeah, they did. Um, we will be discussing that game in a bit of detail. Uh, some non-season-ending injuries that happened. New Orleans offensive tackle Teron Armstead has a pectoral injury. So that's three to four weeks. Green Bay tight end. Jimmy Graham's broken his thumb. It's unknown whether he's going to play through it or whether they're going to have to do something about it. And uh, defensive end Mike Daniels has injured his foot and he's gone for a few weeks. Uh, Detroit running back Kerryon Johnson has a knee sprain and is now week to week. And Tennessee quarterback Marcus Mariota has injured his elbow. Uh, there's no real details about that, but they expect to be kind of one week at, a, at the most. He was pulled from the game in the middle of the uh, 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 after the yeah. injury, but to be fair, I believe they were down uh, about 20 points at that point already like 24 to nothing yeah the game was out of hand at that point and like what I would say about Mariota is that they're describing it as a stinger and as a Seahawks fan last year two people went as stingers Cam Chancellor and Cliff Averill and both of them are now retired so this is something to definitely keep an eye on but right mm-hmm. now all the indications are giving the first medical opinion is that it's just a minor elbow thing but of course he did have an issue earlier where he couldn't feel his hand so uh, yeah. <laughs> something to keep an eye on uh, because obviously Blaine Gabbert probably isn't getting into the playoffs so whatever slim chance Tennessee still has at this point yeah of course and that's probably going to be a blow for Detroit Carrion Johnson's been able to get a lot going for them in the run game so that's probably going to be a knock for any hopes they have of driving deep right more Gary Blunt yeah um, I mean I think their hopes of driving deep are fairly, fairly minimal anyway but um, yes yeah, huge blow this is somebody who you know this is all the whole meme about the old Detroit haven't had a 100 yard rusher mm-hmm. since Reggie Bush or whatever um, and Johnson has looked legitimately good and I think we've seen how that for a guy like Matt Stafford who we know what his limitations are actually having a run game has opened things up for him a bit mm-hmm. this season 
Uh, losing that is going to be huge. You've seen a bit of Blunt and Riddick so far this year, and both have looked utterly ineffectual. So that's a step down. That's that's going to be a blow. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they adapt to it, but I think this is going to put them way more onto Matt Stafford. And it's when you put the entire game on Matt Stafford's shoulders that dumb things start happening. Yeah, so, no, of course. Worrying times for Detroit, I think. Uh, we'll move on towards controversy corner. Uh, this week we are looking at a couple of issues. Uh, Lev Bell has obviously, as when we were recording the last podcast, we were saying this is what we expected, and it followed through to be that that uh, he's not reporting he will not be playing this year uh, in response to him not being there the Steelers uh, decided to raid his locker and divvy up all of his stuff and post pictures of them nicking his gear uh, so what do we make of this lads is this kind of just a bit of a laugh between the players or is this kind of more examples of what we've been talking about about that culture in the Steelers locker room and the kind of fighting back against a guy who's just looking for his money yeah, I'm very much in the second camp on this. Like, Given the comments we've seen coming from the Steelers, uh, given the O-linemen falling over each other to sell them up the river, given the whole way that organization has reacted to handle this situation, mm-hmm. it wouldn't shock me if Mike Tomlin had given them express permission to go and loot his locker. Yeah. Like, The Steelers are just a nasty team. And yep. they, they really are. And I think this is another uh, reminder of that and of how the culture there is just slightly off. Yeah. Like, this is petty. It really Extremely is. Extremely petty. Um... Yeah, I don't think there's much more to be said about that. Uh, there's some discussion, and we'll probably get more of it towards the back end of the season into the off-season, about whether or not the Steelers would tag him again, uh, just presumably just out of spite. Um, but we'll see what the story is there. It'd be a very Steelers move, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, of course. Uh, Tampa Bay has some controversy at the quarterback position. Oh, 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 Fitz Magic is gone again. <laughs> uh, and they're bringing in Jameis Winston. He came in the, the second half of that game. Yeah. And uh, after three interceptions were thrown and played uh, passably well. Uh, so I guess he'll be... This, and he's been announced as starter now. So... Is this just a make it to the offseason, get rid of both these guys, or is this a last chance to try and justify getting kept on for uh, for? <laughs> no, James? this is uh, was this the this is the fourth quarterback change, um, <laughs> and they're going back and forth. And like obviously, like they screwed it up in the first place by pulling Fitzmagic too soon the first time, and then they put James back in and he was terrible. They put Fitzmagic back in and he's been terrible, and now they're putting James back in. And like if they kind of just put those two Fitzmagic eras together and then moved on to Jameis, then they wouldn't have looked like complete incompetence. But this is a huge accent levels of absolute shite hawkery. And I think, you know, for the Tampa Bay organization and the fans, you're just waiting for the sweet release of the end of the season. And of course, now there's a, a quite well, like a statistic going around in the Twitter sphere and Reddit sphere about, uh, you know, there's three quarterbacks right now with over 11 interceptions, two of them are from Tampa Bay. <laughs> so, um, I suppose the only difference with Jameis is he tends to fumble it um, as much as he intercepts it. So, you know, you get a bit of diversity in your turnovers. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got that going for him. Uh, we were seeing at the uh, Oakland game, John Gruden and Derek Carr visibly, like, aggressive towards each other, shouting disagreement, a lot of bad body language. Then we saw, just following the half, uh, Carr came out and was like, hey, we're buddy buddies, because clearly someone had gotten in his ear and said, they're, t- they're showing these images on telly. That did not last long, and they were back at each other's throats again, uh, as this Raiders team just continues to trundle towards the first overall pick. Uh, it's Christmas, it's panto season, <coughs> and the Raiders are providing it in spades. Yeah, this is, <laughs> it's just, I like, there's, but John Gruden has a history of those. So this is from his first time on the on the um, 
coaching tree I think he had a lot of reputation mm. for kind of needling his quarterbacks in his belief that every single thing about his organization should be about him yeah. it's, it's about me it's important to note as well this is a game the Raiders won yep yeah like <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were God. losing at the point which this was happening they but were yeah. but this is this is like you said this speaks to organizational dysfunction there's obviously yeah we know all the stories that were leaked about Carr and the locker room whether or not mm-hmm. those are true is still up for debate but yeah I think this is this is Gruden just doesn't like people who talk back to him I think yep. we know this he doesn't like people who don't fit the Gruden way it's the John Gruden show and you better get on board or else you're getting traded presumably yeah. I mean kind of start car's frustration like if I was throwing to his receiving core like yeah. I wouldn't be having a great time just like a sign when they come in next off season don't forget I'm here forever just yeah. a picture of John Gruden <laughs> <laughs> did you see the uh, did you see the quote from Derek Carr during the week when he was asked about his wide receivers core and he just uh, started referencing uh Avengers Infinity War and he said well, it was like two weeks ago it was like Thanos snapped his fingers and suddenly all of my receivers turned to dust ah, you're stealing an ESPN bit though, whatever mm. oh yeah they, 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 they did a graphic of that for the for the Seahawks defense God. so they said they, they, the last Super Bowl's uh, defense. you know those fantastic Monday Night Graphics we were watching yeah, last oh week? My God. so they did one of those and it was just like all the players who played on the, on the Super Bowl defense yeah. for the Seahawks and then just like a giant hand comes up clicks and then they all start to turn to dust, and there's only two of them left. Good, or? but although the Julio Jones going through a bunch of pirate ships. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> giant Julio Jones oh, marching from the ocean. Sorry though, Birdman Flacco. Like. Oh yeah, Birdman <laughs> Flacco. Uh, if if you haven't, give yourself a great bit of pleasure. Just go online and have a look at the Monday Night graphics. They are phenomenal. I believe actually someone's put together a subreddit specifically for that, so you can probably find them all there. Mexico game. Uh, obviously, we will be discussing the LA game, which was meant to be the Mexico game later on, but uh, some confirmation about. There was uh, rumours about players not wanting to play on the pitch and said that they would hold out. Uh, Hill and Gurley were confirmed to be two of those players. Uh, the NFL, though, have said even though the this occurred and obviously it's a huge issue, um, they will be returning again to Mexico. So do we think that's a good decision? Uh, it, like, uh, commercially, probably, yeah. yes. Um, and, you know, generally, if you make a fuck up this big, you would hope that the next year they'd be really up on it. Like, you know, similar to, you know, in the um, the Hall of Fame game, like that one year that oh, the, paint, yeah. the paint was too slippy or something <laughs> like that. They did. They haven't done that since, so hopefully yeah. Mexico can, you know, get a landscaper. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then insert racist joke here. Yes. Oh. There should be plenty of them around. Yeah, 100%. Or at uh, least Trump should be sending back their best landscapers. Oh, yes, the best and brightest. Uh, crime and punishment. Quentin Nelson, the screaming guard, uh, has been uh, has been fined for leading with the helmet. Uh, they reckon that this was only spotted because of the meme of him running around screaming. Uh, and on top of that, the meme of him going around screaming was uh, a shop. It was yeah. actually... Uh, it was him screaming from another play, at least, from what we understand. But uh, they just put it on top of that one because it had better footage. Um, so, yeah, like, are we... Do we think this is good that, like, the NFL are going back retrospectively through meme pages to find ways to punish players? I think it's extremely good. And that's extremely good with a capital E and a capital G, though, which I mean <laughs> it is. What is wrong with the league sometimes? I mean, like, it's so inconsistent. This is just fucking hilarious. Like, cause it just shows how... Petty and small, and whenever anything happens, the league's immediate response appears to be, how can we find somebody for this? It's rather rather confusing. Uh, do we think this will slow him down on his screaming, or uh, will it just cause him to scream more? Because I think we definitely want the second one, right? Yeah, I think we want him to scream more, but uh, yeah, I think he's plenty to scream about right now. Andrew Luck on a... I think five, four, three or four games without a sack. So Four games without a sack, no one has gone three outside of that team, I think. Yeah, so... 
Yeah, interesting. Some uh, player movements around the league. Buffalo have released Terrell Pryor. The quarterback controversy is over. Yeah, well, uh, Terrell Pryor is not a quarterback. They've got a new quarterback controversy now, though. Oh, they do, yes. Josh Allen's back. You don't need wide receivers when Josh Allen's back. <laughs> That's very true. Miami, like you don't need them in Baltimore right now. And uh, Miami have signed wide receiver Bryce Butler. Uh, this isn't relevant, except that Miami's wide receiver core is like literally just, I don't know, some cardboard cutouts of... Danny Amendola <laughs> yeah it's very odd uh, yeah that's sad uh, there's a couple of players actually I meant to mention but we'll, we'll wait until they come through in the news next week there's one or two that have been released that people reckon are going to be picked up by some of the contender teams now so there's some uh, some defensive backs I think two of them were released during the week and uh, they're expected to find some landing spots in the next few days uh, but we'll cover that next week um, other bits of news uh Tennessee defensive coordinator Dean Pease was hospitalised during the game. Uh, yeah, so there's not a huge amount of report on this at the moment. I think he says he's going to be okay and he'll be returning during the week, so it doesn't seem to be too serious. He heard about this on the broadcast in the middle of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's just a bit of a shock, you know, these things. Uh, obviously, you're, you're always thinking the worst, but uh, I think in this case, I don't know, watching that Tennessee <laughs> defense, yeah. maybe put him over <laughs> the edge. Uh, but, you know, hopefully uh, this just ends up being just one of those things, you know. Yeah. Once you get once you get to that age, sometimes you, it's too hot outside. And you, oh, yeah. Uh, Baltimore Ravens started Lamar Jackson uh, at one. Wildcat, I suppose, is probably yeah. the only way of saying it. Uh, in his first game, he now has the record for the most rushes by a quarterback, 23 in that one. While it was interesting and a bit different to, to watch, like it can't be sustainable to be having your quarterback run it 20 times a game, right? The Bengals are pretty shit, that's who they yeah. bet, and yeah, against any other team of any, or against any team of relevance... Um, they'll probably struggle. They have a really soft schedule for the next um, two or three weeks, so they could certainly still be well in the wild card hunt. But I think when it gets down, I think the last couple of games they have a couple of tougher tests. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up coming up short once again uh, in week seventeen <laughs> and missing out in the playoffs. Um, and obviously, given everything we've talked about in previous weeks, that would probably mean the end of the John Harbaugh era as well. Yeah, uh, the Eagles also suffered. So we mentioned up top that the uh, the. <laughs> The Saints maybe uh, overshot themselves a little bit. The Eagles lost by 41 points to the Saints. This is the largest loss by a Super Bowl holder uh, in the following year. It's a pretty sparse bandwagon right now. <laughs> Everyone's jumping off. Their hockey team has a great mascot, so they've got that going for them. Oh. <laughs> Which one's their mascot? Gritty, the uh, one who's been appropriated by the communists. It's fantastic. Oh, right. I didn't know. I'd seen a picture of that, but I didn't know that he was uh, yeah, a he's a Philly Flyers. Yeah, he's their ma- new mascot, and he, he's been appropriated by uh, Antifa and the far left and it is the best thing in the world. Excellent and with that we will move on to the games from last week So first up in the Ring of Honor we have Kansas City at the LA Rams 51-54 to this game was fireworks from the off uh, the Chiefs wanted to do a 13-point hole, climb back out of it. There was six lead changes in this game, four of which happened in the fourth quarter. Uh, there were defensive scores. There were t- like touchdown drives that took, I think, 12 seconds thereabouts. <laughs> like it, yeah. This was just, this was all over. and it, it, was, it was a very confusing in some parts game because both offenses we know are excellent and were firing exceptionally well. Both defenses were getting done. Let's be honest, when, when, when both teams yeah. gave up 50 points, they were getting done. But they also came up in big spots in this kind of 
boom playmaking rather than necessarily stopping way. So we had uh, two strip sacks, two uh, and a and a returned uh, interception. Yeah, yeah. yeah returned interception for six. It, it was it was crazy all over the shop. Uh, Mahomes threw six touchdowns, but also accounted for was it six turnovers in the end? Uh, Five, I think. Five, yeah. three picks and three, two three, fumbles. Three picks and two fumbles. Last pick was uh, very unfortunate, but it was it was dying moments kind of thing. But I uh, still still don't like the decision he made to throw it there. Um, but no, overall this was this was very impressive, and um, we just couldn't stop taking a second in the middle of the game just be like hold on like how many more touchdowns are going to go in in this motherfucker so this is now the highest scoring Monday night football game of all time and I believe it's now the third highest scoring um, game of all time full stop in the NFL so I suppose uh, I'll come to you first on this Harry when you look at this game from an LA Rams perspective you got to be happy you got the win but you also got to wonder like this is Again, this defense not looking great, but then Aaron Donald being able to come up and uh, the the defensive end. Ebukam. Buka, yeah. Uh, like, what are you taking away from this? Is this a we're going to have to win in track meets? Our investment on the defense was pointless, or yeah, well, there's an element of that, but I think it's been rumbling on all season. I wouldn't take too much from this game because the only way to beat the Kansas City Chiefs is to beat them in a track meet at the moment. It's mm-hmm. what the, exactly what the Patriots did, uh, narrowly beating them. It's what the Rams did, narrowly beating them. Yes, there's significant problems in the amount of yards and points the defense gives up, but on the other hand, as you mentioned, they came up in big spots, and that kind of style of player they have, guys like Marcus Peters and so on, who are willing to give up a series of plays to make the big one, is exactly what happened here. Like We saw the defense get repeatedly toasted, but come through with five turnovers when it actually push came to shove, including... Uh, two on the final two uh, mm-hmm. attempts by Kansas City to get back into the game, which is where you, you want them to step on. Really, both those were on fairly questionable throws by Mahomes, but that's where you... That's one, the one caveat I will say, and this is a little bit of homerism in me, uh, we're not giving fucking Peters credit for that uh, for that pick at the end because that was a that was a ball that was the arm was hitting the way out. He yeah. was in the completely but, but wrong position that's, that's on the, the defense. That's, that's, that's Marcus Peters. Yeah. That's what he's been this season. Mm-hmm. He'll get into the wrong position and that will sometimes lead to him getting mm-hmm. picks. It just happened to be in a big spot this time. But I, I think the Rams kind of knew this. I think at this point in the season, if they haven't realized that there's something wrong with their defense and to beat good teams, they're going to have to uh, get involved in a boat race, then there's something delusional about the coaching staff. And I think they're aware of that. And from the positive side is you take, well, look, our defense did help us out by putting uh, a number of points on the board. Mm-hmm. They scored. Offense was then able to keep up on the basis of that, even though, of course, the, they themselves gave up uh, scoring mm-hmm. opportunities. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be overly worried. I think you just accept that this is what happens when you play the Chiefs, that it's going to be a high-scoring game and you have to just try to outscore them. And if your defense can make those big plays in big moments, mm-hmm. great. No, of course. Uh, Fitz, when we look at the Kansas City Chiefs in this game, uh, obviously Mahomes went for 478 yards and six touchdowns. The run game was productive when used, I think is probably the best way to describe it. So Kareem Hunt was averaging five yards a game, uh, but he only had 70 yards. Now some of that was they were kind of seemed to be relatively scoring with ease in sections of this. It was normally about three or four plays. I think there was a stat up where they had uh, three three touchdown scoring drives that were like four or less plays and one was 75 yards and one was 95 yards. But like you even saw the likes of Chris Conley step up in this game, like uh, seven catches, two touchdowns and stuff like that. Is this a spot where they should be worried that they weren't able to keep up? Or is this a spot like like I had when I came back from a wee at one point last night and said, do you know what, if we, if we, if we lose by a field goal on the road to a team this good, I'm not going to be as worried. But then I was still sad. I think the one thing that 
cost them in the end was the fact that Pat Mahomes, I think, believes in himself too much. <laughs> Pat Mahomes believes that every play is doable, like the whole Brett Favre thing. And I think mm-hmm. that that's actually making Andy Reid a better coach because I think Andy Reid is a lot more comfortable not feeling he has to like work around his quarterback and kind mm-hmm. of like in terms of timeouts and stuff. And it actually ended up in this game that Andy Reid was the one with three timeouts in the back of the game. And yep. Sean McVay had used all of up. And like, I think it was interesting... Um, just to briefly mention the Rams that you know I think one of those timeouts was used because Jared Goff didn't know what the play was or I think two of them were based, on, yeah, to avoid based on the yeah. based on the lip reading I kind of got the indication that he was actually going to Sean McVay and like what's the play basically mm-hmm. asking him directly um, and it didn't sound like Sean McVay had asked him to do that he had done that on his own and I think that reflects maybe you know Jared Goff is maybe has the training wheels on, whereas Mahomes, yeah. tra- no training wheels for him. He's, <laughs> he's playing every game and like he, he's willing to play the, every snap to the very end. And mm-hmm. in, the problem is that in this game, that ended up costing them. The two of those fumbles and the interception to Marcus Peters probably come down to someone who should be like, you know, needed to be aware that the defense was coming in there and either protect the ball more, just take the sack, or to throw make the appropriate, or like appropriate shift or throw it away or just do that type of thing. Like, I, I didn't have a problem with the last interception because that was a yeah. desperation drive. But in that Marcus Peters drive, like, I think you hope that a quarterback would be aware that the guy is about to hit them right in the face. Um, <laughs> and that'd be fine. But I think, you know, even... I think the, the fumbles were probably more egregious just because he just... His, yeah, was, bit, his his the, like the things that he does when he's hit don't aren't really at an elite level yet. He doesn't turtle well enough yet. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> and you could even, see even even in the play then after uh when yeah. the, the drive after one of the one of the fumbles he did try and turtle, but really yeah. you could he see stayed that on his he, feet. He had no idea how yeah. to turtle. So, but the the good thing about that is like whereas you know the Jared Goff thing, how do you teach someone confidence? How do you teach them to take over an offense? Is hard. Um, Teaching someone to just, you know, not have the ball basically easily knock him away is something yeah. that's much easier to teach. And I think, you know, in terms of pocket presence, we know that's good. So it's not really a pocket presence. It was just that, that the Rams um, defensive line took it. So I think for me, like the, like the Chiefs won this game, but they just had a, too many self-inflicted uh, yeah. uh, errors on the offense in terms of giving huge tur- turnovers. And those are so random, you can't really like predict those. Like Even if you look at like that, the offensive lineman trying to pick up the ball, yeah. if he had just fallen on it, then you probably would have you could have easily won this game. So I think mm-hmm. for the Chiefs, I think they were the better team in this game. Uh, I think the Chiefs' defense was okay considering the circumstances. And I think with Pat Mahomes, just his pocket presence, his willingness to take shots, and just the arm talent is such a ridiculous combination that I think you know it's impossible not to feel incredibly optimistic uh, for this team this season, of course, but of course in the future even yeah. more so. No, it's going to be great. So just, sort of the, just turtle better. Yeah, just turtle better and uh, five. <laughs> Fire Bob's up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, no, I think, yeah, overall, and like I said, I, 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 while the overall scream didn't do a huge amount on defense, I did like that they were just kind of going for that turnover-based kind of modern football. This is, a, this is something that's been covered a lot in the media around this game of the, this is what modern football looks like. It is... You know, Big 12 football looks uh, like. Yeah, it's Big 12 football. I think it was Big 12 after hours it was <laughs> called last night. Um, but basically, high-scoring offenses, defenses that are kind of bend and break, but bend so that you hopefully... <laughs> force them to make a mistake so it's all about it's all about big play turnover stuff rather than about just well they're not they're not gaining two yards and this kind of thing so I love the bend and break defence that doesn't sound like a very good defence <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> 
Uh, just, just eat clock, like get get up by seven points and then just stay constantly at a seven point buffer. But uh, no, so that was that was a great game. I was uh, very happy that uh, yeah. that we stayed up for that one. Uh, if you have uh, Game Pass, definitely watch it if you weren't didn't mm-hmm. stay up like us crazy people. Yeah, it is it is one for the one for the books now. And uh, next up is the neutral zone: Carolina at Detroit, nineteen to twenty. Ooh, uh, Carolina lose a game against. Uh, let's be honest, not a great Detroit team here, and there's a lot of mistakes on this. I, yeah. And of course, huge controversial call. Yes, the game. big big call at the tail end. So uh, basically, they got down to the end. They decided to go for two, having had uh, Gano miss two kicks already, a field goal and a point after. And then, even on the call, one he had a receiver open on the play that he didn't throw it to, so that was yeah. a mistake. There was also a wide open space in front of him to the left that he could have ran if yeah. they decided to do that. It was just and the pass itself was a throwaway, like he didn't. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's what I mean. Like he, th- he threw bizarre. it. Over. Yeah, it's like you don't worry about throwing a pick in that instance yeah. at all. It's uh, it's very very confusing, isn't it? Like so, this Carolina team three weeks ago we were talking about it as being a dangerous team that could go in and compete and surprise people and could rapidly go off on, on, on offence and now this is two weeks in a row where they've just been quite tidily handled is this and I know you were very happy with this result uh, yeah. Roland, as it's, it's the Seahawks uh, wildcard up what are you th- what are you making this Carolina team now has, has the last two weeks changed your opinion of them yeah, well, I think definitely the Pittsburgh game showed that they're not at the top table. Um, I think they're definitely in the wild card kind of consideration, like mm-hmm. NFC's champion. Like, they're definitely not, you know, at the Rams and Saints level, I think. So I think for Carolina, last week was a show of where they are. This week is a show of kind of maybe some of the inconsistencies that we kind of associated with Carolina in the first place. A lot of sloppy mistakes, both in like in terms of Graham Gano, who's usually so reliable, kind of giving it up, uh, but also that this decision to go for round two, the Riverboro Ron thing, mm-hmm. not working out in this case. And like, you know, it's Detroit. Like I think if you go to overtime, you can be pretty confident that you can, you can handle Detroit. But I think like when you look at this offense, you see an offense which is still over-reliant on Cam Newton kind of, bailing them out and Cam Newton obviously does some amazing things that no other quarterback can but obviously he's still not the most uh, accurate passer it's definitely improved but he's still not someone like he had five seconds to get like basically in the pocket and couldn't get a, a two-point conversion like from five yards out you know Drew Brees would get that Pat Mahomes would probably get that Jared Goff would probably get that although McVeigh would get an assist there and I think <laughs> um, it's just a situation where you're like well like elite quarterback should be able to do that and maybe use his legs in this case. But I think it's also a situation that when you look at the offensive weapons that they're relying on, Greg Olson is probably, you know, continues to be kind of the one solid spot, but they're relying on like Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. And when they make their plays, they do look absolutely ridiculous. And DJ Moore had a couple, like a few plays in this that were absolutely uh, fantastic play calls. But when you're down, uh, when you're down at this situation and you're just trying to grind out wins against teams like Detroit, you need people that you feel are a bit more consistent like that. And I think Devin Funches, who's supposed to be the possession receiver, dropped a basically certain touchdown in this mm-hmm. game, and that just gives you an indication that some of the problems that we've had with that wide receiver core in terms of their possession receivers continue to plague them today. And and, and Cam Newton, he can overcome a lot, but you know these kind of games, you can't afford to lose these games if you want to be taken seriously. Yeah, no, of course. It's a Detroit offense, kind of a bit more balanced between run and pass, uh, but they're not really getting the results that you would hope. Like obviously, the lack of Tate is going to hurt them here. Do we think that this is something that is sustainable for them? Obviously, they have the injury to the running back as well, so that's going to hurt them. Is this a spot where this is a team that the coaching? from Matt Patricia is pushing through to them and they're suddenly 
kind of becoming a different type of team, but a team that can win games, albeit in an ugly way? Or is it just a kind of a, a two-game bounce here? Uh, I hesitate to uh, describe it as such, because this is I don't see how this is different from the Detroit Lions of yore, basically. Like, this is what the Lions have been. I don't think Patricia's really changed the identity of this team. Most personnel is the same. The defense still has its problems. The offense still has its problems. Yes, they won this game, but they were very lucky too. There were missed kicks. There were bad decisions being made. Uh, Kenny Golday looks fantastic, but mm. the rest of that offense just doesn't look fantastic with Johnson out. Like, Garrett Blunt had seven carries. You know what his yardage total was? One. Yeah. Like Amir Abdullah. <laughs> yeah, he's in Minnesota now, right? He'll get three yards. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, this is like, I don't see much to like about this Lions team at the moment. Like, I don't think they're consistently, considerably better than they have been in the past. Mm. I think this team needs a personnel revamp, particularly on the defense, particularly where they are getting their pass rush. The secondary, which was much hyped in up coming into this season, doesn't look very good at the moment. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lack of weapons, really. Uh, Marvin Jones has been disappointing this year. Uh, Goldie looks great. Johnson something, but like there's beyond there's no depth really to this team's offense. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'd be I'd be worried about that. So it's it's nice to win this game, but it's not a game they deserve to win, and I don't think it's a game that really tells us anything. Like I would disagree. They haven't changed their identity. They have, but I think the place that they're in is the transition. Like I think once they traded away Tate, that was more or less giving up on the season. And they have Goldie and they have Johnson. Obviously, they're going to build their offense around them and Stafford. Maybe that'll be something interesting if they get some nice things to play along with next season. But I think they have become a much different... Like, they're not the same kind of Matt Stafford just save us offense that they were mm-hmm. last year. They've become trying to play balance, even if it's not working, as you see with Blunt. Um, and maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. But it's certainly... I think they, they play a bit differently right now. So do we know what uh, what he's doing strategically to cause this collapse of kickers when they're playing there? So we were, we were discussing this the last day, Fitz. They have... The lowest they have the lowest rating for kickers in yeah. their field. Or something? I, I think there's like like the last three games they had at Ford Field. Um, it's like less than thirty percent uh, conversions for one point uh, for PATs and uh, less than twenty percent conversions for field goals. So I don't know what kind of juju magic Patricia has inherited from the Belichick like his last parting gift. I think it's just the lead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> that probably doesn't help any. Yeah, um, and we'll move on now to the dumpster fire. Denver at the LA Chargers, 23-22. To. To uh, the Chargers were sloppy all over this game, uh, over 100 yards in penalties. In particular, they were having a lot of them in the uh, red zone. Uh, like, Denver's offense was bleh. Lindsay looked good. Uh, Sutton had a couple of nice catches in it. But, like, it's, it's very clear that this... This is a dead duck offense for Denver, and Vance Joseph is gone after the season. Uh, the loss of some of the defensive pieces that we discussed earlier, so Perryman and Legit are not there, but Bosa was back, is going to cause some issues for this Chargers team. This was an important one uh, for them to lose for my happiness. Um, <laughs> because it, it's a weird one when you're a Chiefs fan to be able to cheer on uh, the Denver Broncos. But I was kind of, to be honest, I was kind of half hoping they'd tie. It would be brilliant. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, like the Chargers were sloppy, but normally they'd play to a much better level than this. As much as I don't love giving them credit, like this was obviously a down game. Was it just a playing a tough divisional opponent, or is this just a like a, a brain fart from the coaching staff, or what caused this? Like a little bit of everything. It was a very Chargers going to charge kind of like a display. Obviously, the penalties were a killer. They kept putting themselves in long situations, and obviously, as a team, which is kind of obviously Philip Rivers is a great quarterback and having a great season, but 
if they can establish Melvin Gordon consistently, I think it makes him look better because he can go off play action. And, and you know, if you're if you've already given up 15 yards in penalty before you get started, then that just can't happen, or it's very difficult mm-hmm. to do. You look at a situation where this. Um, like even Philip Rivers, whose overall pass yards was fine, but he threw kind of two uh, interceptions in this game. Like I, I don't know if that's unlike him, but it's certainly a situation where it cost him there because one of them went for a pick six um, for a flat pass, and that's just one of those things that you hope that if you have a veteran quarterback, he can avoid happening to him. I think you know on the defense, obviously Bosa came back, didn't really do anything. Um, and now they've lost Legit and they lost Perryman. Yes, I think that, as I've mentioned before, that makes them vulnerable in the run game. Let's see if other teams down the stretch choose to exploit that. Given all the things that went against them, they still only were down by one point. I think that gives you an idea of the disparity in talent level. But if you're the if you're a Chargers fan, um, oh, like wow. the two Chargers fans... Sorry, like, sorry, I'm sure you can probably hear this yeah, in the background. A, a storm has just <laughs> broken out outside. Oh, it's hailstones. Oh, for goodness sake. That's why it's so noisy. Um, if you're one of the two Chargers fans, you're probably pretty worried right now to see this kind of Chargers-like behavior manifest. Uh, but I think they're still good enough. They're definitely good enough to make a wild card spot because all the other teams are absolute trash in that run. Yeah. A head of steam behind them as well. That yeah. It'll be hard for them to, to kind of miss out at this point. Yeah. Similar to Carolina. Like you said, this defense came up in a couple of good spots for the Denver team and mentioned there's a couple of bright spots that might be there in the future with Lindsay and Sutton and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But like this was this is a this is a good Chargers team that they played on the road and they were able to, to, to beat. They've got a tough run up ahead of them. They've got Pittsburgh, Cincinnati and the Chargers again coming up. Is this a team that could like surprise and play spoiler to some of these teams? Or is this just uh, nothing to be taken from this win because it was so Chargers going to charge? It was a lot of mistakes from them. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you've got to give Denver some credit. I mean, sometimes teams make a lot of mistakes and still win. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did what they had to do at the end of the day, although they were extremely fortunate. But I think that's that's Denver. Like, some teams will blow them out and some teams they'll play close because they can't block uh, block Von Miller effectively or because they can't cover speed receivers effectively. And this was just one of those ones where the matchup, kind of the way it played out, worked out pretty well for them. We did see, and I thought what was interesting, is we saw two things with regarding the run game. One of which I thought was very good, and one of which I thought was not so good. Um, one of the, the thing I thought that was very good was that we saw uh, every touchdown be a running touchdown. We saw a lot more, basically them not, basically like, fuck, Case King can't do anything, right? Um, and just giving a lot more trust to the running backs in the red zone. Uh, giving a lot more, basically, uh, taking some of the, more of the pressure off of Case Keenum during the game between the 20s, which I just thought was nice. This team needs to commit to the run. The flip side of that is they need to move away from the running back by committee approach they're going with. Uh, Lindsay is clearly, by miles, the best back on this, giving mm-hmm. you know, 25-30% of the snaps to Freeman is pointless. If you look at the yardage average between them, I think Lindsay's was something like double Freeman's per carry. So that's kind of worrying itself. Spelling a guy is fine. But I feel like they're overly committed to making their other backs happen. And they really just need to realize that they've got a very special talent in Philip Lindsay and just go all in on this kid and build that offense mm-hmm. around him. Now, I know that's obviously difficult when they've got all the problems on the interior O-line and so on. And that. But um, teams that struggle to defend the run are going to struggle against Denver. Teams that struggle to deal with elite edge rushes are going to struggle against Denver. They're not a cupcake team. Mm-hmm. They're not a pushover. They're not good by any stretch of the imagination. But this isn't an Oakland Raiders or, or uh, a New York Jets where you can just go in and give them a light tap and they'll fall to the ground. Like I think when you've got guys like Case Keenum as well, guys who are playing for having a spot somewhere next year, because I don't, 
I think I think there'll be turnover in Denver. I think oh, he'll be part of it. Yeah. That is a team that's going to fight all the way. Uh, and with that, we're going to move on to some of your questions. Okay, so the first question comes in from Mike, and it says, in honor of Hines' offer to give Pat Mahomes free ketchup, what other NFL achievements need special rewards slash sponsorship? So in case you didn't catch this story, there's been an ongoing story for the last week about how uh, in an interview it came out that Pat Mahomes really likes ketchup, like really, really likes ketchup, eats it with steak, eats it with mac and cheese, and uh, Heinz came out and decided that if he throws 57 touchdowns, they will uh, they will give him free Heinz ketchup for life, obviously because they have 57 varieties or something along those lines. Cue a load of Steelers fans getting real salty about that, saying, but you sponsor our field. Um, so, yeah, so in honour of this, do we have other achievements that we think... Uh, players should be getting whenever they hit them. I don't have a player, but I think whoever gets the last wild card on the FC should get free flights to anywhere else <laughs> than the stadium they're going to. Uh, feel free to uh, bid for that between the different airlines in America, but uh, yeah, that would be pretty convenient. Mm. Uh, that could be quite good. Uh, what did you have, Harry? Anything coming to well, mind? Well, no, we have. I mean, we have a system where every time Tom Brady throws a touchdown, we sacrifice another virgin to keep him young. So mm. we keep going with that system. That's pretty good. Yeah, that works quite well. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of much. I suppose you could probably you could probably do some kind of like uh, men's health awareness thing. So like every time for for a defensive sack leader of the year, actually sack leader of the year gets free uh, testicular cancer screenings. Yeah, because he's a sack leader. Very good. Mm. Very good. Um, <laughs> that partially comes from the fact that we forced uh, <laughs> that we forced Harry to watch. Three episodes of Real Rob, yeah. the literal worst TV show mm-hmm. in the world. What yeah. uh, the best punter gets a load of old Irish currency? There you go. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Very <laughs> nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, Real Rob, uh, if you value your sanity, stay away. It is. Oh, it's so bad. It's like car crash television. Oh, shit. Maybe that's, maybe that's it. Like what you say, like if we just take it as a, as a verbal pun, like every time that you score, your defense scores a safety, you get to put another safety on the field. Oh, we can dance. We can <laughs> dance. Everybody look at your hands. Um, yeah, next one comes in from Steve and he says, oh yes, sorry. So this news story is that um, the Cleveland Browns have offered Connolly, or, or, may or may not have, have apparently yeah. approached uh arranging Connolly's Rice to interview for their head coach position, which is just bizarre and makes no sense whatsoever. But this question says, with them nearly offering whatever, whatever Connolly's Rice the Cleveland head coaching job, which other spectacularly underqualified candidate should be offered the next role? Well, I'd like to keep it within the politician sphere, and I think I've got one that's very thematically appropriate for the Cleveland Browns which is that dead pimp who was found in a brothel by Ron Jeremy and still got elected to Congress. Oh, yeah. I feel like he would be the perfect fit for Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Uh, like, spectacularly unqualified candidates, we could look at Hugh Jackson as a, yeah. as a GM. Uh, that could work. But no, I was thinking, um, to stay with the kind of the famous people, I'd love just thinking back to... So I, 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 could be, I could be wrong on this, but uh, Clint Eastwood, right? Clint Eastwood... I think would make an excellent GM because didn't he interview an empty chair before? Could you imagine what his press conferences would be like? Then <laughs> he just interviews himself. And uh, by the way, I want him to. I want him to be GM of the Dallas Cowboys because I also just think that like two really old, presumably quite racist white men like interviewing themselves did, after matches. Would Rex be... Ryan interview himself once. He did. Yes, he he kept turning to the side and asking himself <laughs> questions because he was. <laughs> 
But that, that, that was in the middle of a very clear mental break, I think. <laughs> what about yourself? It's, you know, I think it should be, they should get uh, co-head coaches, because it's Cleveland. Mm. And it should be like uh, Rex Ryan and uh, his brother Rob <laughs> Ryan. I think... Put them both as head coach at the same time. Oh, that man. much, you know, attitude is just too much for the rest of the handle. You can throw Chris Christie in there as well. He kind of looks like them as <laughs> he well. He does, yeah. He does <laughs> so, look like the third Ryan brother. Yeah. You can kind of have uh, one of the toughest, roughest, uh, most pointless uh, oh, yeah. head coaching tickets in the NFL. The, 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 only, the only thing that I would then miss is that we don't watch a huge amount of the Sky Sports coverage, but like whenever I'm seeing it in the pub or whatever, I see it. Rob Ryan is now on the Sky Sports coverage, right? And the outfits that he wears, it's just fantastic. Uh, If if you want a bit of crack, you can go online and have a look at some of them, like some of the shirts and like jackets he's throwing together. Because he's got the long hair and the like quite ample body. So uh, I suppose if you want to, if you want to outdo the the uh, Raiders in terms of dysfunction, maybe get Dick Cheney in there. See what happens. <laughs> Party times. Why are Cleveland in Iraq? <laughs> uh, and another question on the uh, Cleveland one is this Condoleezza Rice move uh, just to skirt the Rooney rule? What do we reckon, lads? Ooh, I, I would hope they wouldn't be so blatant about it. And uh, the, yeah, but Jimmy Halsam's like, yeah, that, that 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 yeah, <laughs> only because Jimmy Haslam is. An absolute idiot and probably a racist. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would dismiss yeah. it, but he is, so uh, we can't. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I still think it's less likely. I do likely put. I do love that they'll start seeing like every team whenever they have a head coach, just like I don't know, interviews Oprah or something. Like, yeah, like well, we met our quota. Like guys, I think I think you're you're missing out on the spirit of the, <laughs> the spirit of the rule. Yeah. Um, but no, that's perfect. Uh, again, as always, if you have any questions, get onto us on Facebook or on Twitter or wherever you like to uh, contact people to ask them NFL questions at Pornhub. random. Uh, Pornhub, yeah. yeah. Just, just oh, comment section. Venmo Pornhub. us your comments. <laughs> <laughs> questions. Can you do... I, I, I've never used Venmo. Can you use... Uh, can you message on that? Or, I thought it was just yeah, for like, no. sending money. The, the whole, message with the the whole weird part about it is that they're, they encourage to kind of create a social media yeah. sphere around transferring money to each other. Oh, there's one. There's one from the uh, television ads from the game last night. Pizza Hut apples. Your questions. Don't they have now the? Uh, didn't they have the app on the thing that you can now like press a button and it sends alerts to your family members that the pizza is ready? Oh, one of the pizza companies has that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was Pizza Hut or not. I just I, remember. It was a bit jarring seeing that run immediately after the Life Alert advert. And you saw this image of all Biddy falling down the stairs and pressing her button, yeah. and somebody else getting an alert. Oh, my pizza's ready. My pizza <laughs> is ready. Jesus. Oh no, wait, Granny's dead. I don't know. Unless Fuck. they put kebab meat on their pizza, it's not worth talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we did. We did. We went there. We went there. It was a good time. It was Happy times. Happy times. Uh, we'll move on to the picks for next week. First up on the Thanksgiving schedule, it is uh, Chicago at Detroit. Uh, we've gone for Chicago across the board. Uh, Harry? Yeah, I mean, we've discussed that the Detroit still don't look very good. They've lost like one of their most important defensive players. Mm-hmm. Chicago, I'm still not 100% convinced about the Chicago team, but they've definitely got enough talent to beat Detroit. And I think with that way that Detroit O-line is playing... Yeah, this could get this could get ugly. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Next up is the Mizungus taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Bit of a bit of a cripple fight for the uh, for the NFC East going on here, and uh, we've got Dallas across the board. And Ronan has picked this as his game of the week. Yeah, and I think it's just one of those games that is important more than it'll actually be good. Uh, I think we saw like the first time these two teams played that what we expected happened is that they're two very similar teams orientated around the run game 
don't really you know lean on their um, receiving game too much or their quarterback too much and both have pretty good defenses like i think the mzungu's defense is good enough that i wouldn't dismiss them out of hand in this situation i think and the dallas defense has been solid but just doesn't have the same level of talent they don't have dj swearing they don't have john allen people who are really playing on their skins this year um but i think obviously you just have to give a dance on because obviously we know alex smith is out you have colt mccoy playing albeit he looked grand when he when he he came into that game he didn't throw pick six for example but we know what dallas are doing you know they run they'll run ezekiel a lot right up the middle we'll see if the washington defensive line can hold that's actually a really good matchup Mm -hmm. on paper uh but obviously we know mary cooper's coming there open up a little bit and just i think dak prescott the first half of the season he was just so poor having someone there that i think he trusts has made a huge difference to him and it's kind of Maybe brought him back, not back to where he was when he when he came up first on the scene, but somewhere there. There. One thing to note is like Michael Gallup, his brother committed suicide, yeah. so won't be playing. Um, so that kind of knocks their wide receiver depth somewhat. But obviously, there's more important mm. things than that shit. Uh, but yeah, I think Dallas they still have their offensive line, which is getting better. Yeah. Um, and they have Ezekiel Elliott, who's better than Adrian Peterson, so they should win this game. No, but it's the NFC, so fuck if I know. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, next up is Atlanta at New Orleans. We've gone for New Orleans across the board. Uh, I think it's pretty simple. Atlanta look to be essentially dead in the water at this point. Uh, they need to be winning a game like this, and you just can't see it happening. The Saints team put up like what was it, fifty points? 48 48 yeah so like there's I just don't see it at all uh, next up is New York Giants at Philadelphia we've gone for Philly across the board Fitz like Philly have been probably the biggest disappointment this season um, and I think we're like I think the Giants are just so dysfunctional the fact that this is even like I, I can see a case for the Giants gives you an indication where Philly is right now but I think we just have to give it to Philly we have to trust that they can do something and maybe you know stick around the NFC East but yeah they're at home I, yeah, I they don't... have slightly better players but the, the more yeah. the, the, the more I look at this, the more yeah. I'm like maybe maybe it is just a Giants. This game. is the most NFC East game. Like there's two NFC East games. This is the more because it's just like it's just gonna be a mess. You just want to see one of these teams just find some consistency and be decent. Yeah. Next up, we have Harry's pick of the week, the possible worst game on the slate. Uh, so that is no Jets. Jacksonville at Buffalo. We've all gone for Jacksonville, uh, Harry. Yeah, sorry, I'm 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 now picking these ironically. Also, while I'm high. So uh, (laughs) yes, this game is why is this my game of the week? You ask. I actually think there's some interesting stuff going on here because this is um, like I think this is this one of those ones that's that's interesting. Not in any sense of it's not going to be good football. It doesn't really matter for the playoffs. But this is the kind of game where you've now got two teams that are clearly going to are. Going through or are going to be going through a transition very, mm-hmm. very soon. And that's the only thing that really keeps interesting games like this is like you get an idea of like who's going to be around and what form it's going to take. And also looking at players that will be on other teams next mm-hmm. season potentially in a game like this. And I think that's what's really interesting because it's like, right, Leonard Fournette is back. Can the Jacksonville Jaguars find a bit more success continuing to go to that more run heavy game that we've seen them move to since he returned mm-hmm. from the playoff? Can we see them get any cohesion on that offensive line or is that total thing just a write off? Similarly, are these big names on defense actually going to start performing? When are we going to see them play to the level that we want to is it going to continue to be problems with the coaching or is this just actually the personnel might not be as good as we thought they were going to be Mm -hmm. similarly in buffalo we have 
Josh Allen playing again. We know they are very committed to him as the future from the fact they brought him back at all after Matt Barkley had a surprisingly good game, a very good game last week. Well, to be he can pass more than 10 yards yeah, down the terrifying. field. So, again, keeping an eye on his development is just an interesting thing. And, again, similarly, we're like, okay, well, let's look at the Buffalo defense. Can that still do things? We've seen it do at times this season mm-hmm. where it's looked very impressive. Now, offensively, there is absolutely nothing to look at on that Buffalo team. It's, just, yeah. it's a wasteland. But I think there's like just little things in there that make these kind of games that we tend to just write off as being, ugh, whatever, I don't want to watch this. Kind of interesting. Also, I think this is the type of game that will not be just unwatchably bad because I think both these teams are just such hilarious derp fests of teams that there's going to be probably a lot of turnovers and stupid plays that will kind of keep this game popping up on red zone every five minutes being yeah, like, ah, yeah. this just happened this in this just game. Happened, yeah. yes. Um, I think Jacksonville are going to win because I think Buffalo are absolute garbage and we've seen Jacksonville have a little bit more success since they went back to the more run-heavy offense with a running back who isn't TJ Yeldon mm. but uh, yeah I, I just think there could be some little fun bits in this game and I think there's lots of like little narratives and little like player level things to look at and um, assessing who's going to be playing on the Pats next season so you know cool, but I was going to say it's potentially as a Pats fan picking over the corpse of uh, teams that are now done uh, so yep. fun, fun times next up is my pick of the week uh, Seattle at Carolina uh, I've gone for Seattle so has Harry but Fitz has gone for Carolina that means Seattle are going to win but yeah so this is an interesting one Seattle obviously in the hunt need to keep uh, keep the pace if they want to try and make a wild card Carolina as well after falling back after falling back a little bit in the last two weeks need to get themselves righted uh, to try and get back into uh, wild card insurance as well both these teams are trying to figure out the system they have in place, how far can it go. Seattle have obviously gone run heavy and haven't been focusing on Russell Wilson at all. They've been finding some uh, success there, but their defence hasn't been up to scratch. Carolina equally just been sputtering quite a bit of late. Their offensive stuff hasn't been working. We discussed them earlier in the in the picks. So I think this is an interesting matchup, uh, and the fact that Fitz picked Carolina means Seattle's going to win, so we're <laughs> quite happy with this uh, to pick up another... I thought one thing is that Seattle knows exactly what they're doing, whereas I don't think anyone quite knows what Carolina exactly are trying to do yeah, with, their, exactly. with their scheme. I don't know if Seattle, what they're doing is the correct thing, but mm. they're very, very committed to it. Yeah, and if I, if I remember correctly, if, if you're wondering why some of the slates are a bit weird, I believe there is no matchups between teams who are 500 or better in this, uh, in this uh, week's slate, so that's unfortunate. So uh, <laughs> Oakland at Baltimore up next. We've gone for Baltimore. Oakland exists. Uh, they beat the Cardinals somehow. Uh, but Baltimore, they have Lamar Jackson. He'll run a lot. Maybe he'll even pass because Oakland are absolute dog shit. Yeah. Uh, but I think Baltimore, their defense is good enough to bottle up Derek Carr and Seth Roberts. Yeah, San Francisco at Tampa Bay up next. Uh, we've all gone for San Francisco. Good God, this game. Uh, James Winston is going to throw five picks in the first half and be benched again. Oh, you know it. That's written. Keep swapping. That's written. Dirk Cutters is going to walk out there and play quarterback himself at some point. Uh, The Bucks are in complete disarray, and San Fran are bad. But like, at least there's some coherence in the organization. Nick Mullins, boys. Yeah, give me San Fran there. Next up, we have Cleveland traveling to Cincinnati. I've gone for Cincinnati, and the lads have gone for Cleveland. Cleveland. Um, Yeah, look, Cincinnati have some good offensive pieces. Their defense appears to be a mess. Uh, Cleveland are Cleveland. Like yeah, like it's it's always hard to pick for Cleveland. Yeah, but, uh, like I think in this case, since he like they're just one of those teams that seems to be falling so badly so right now. Well, you see, they've got the inside scoop because they've got uh, they've got their ex coach in the building now in Cincy <laughs> yeah. to uh, to get all the info. So I think uh, that might be that might give them the edge. All of this this playbook is just interceptions. Mm. You what? <laughs> <laughs> I do like to like oh you can give us information about uh, how they run their offense. And, like the second he was out the door, they changed the offense. So like all the quarterback like, names, yeah. all the quarterback names were like AJ McCarron, like scribbled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good God. Um, yeah, so that's that, that's a game. Uh, New England at the New York Jets. We've gone for New England across the board. Harry? Uh, yeah, the Jets are trash. Like, yep. There's not much more to say than that. They look bad. Yep. Sam Darnold needs a lot longer before he's going to be a good quarterback. 100%. And, yeah, New York York's a lot more hospitable than Miami, of course. Mm. <laughs> uh, Arizona at the LA Chargers. We've gone for the Chargers across the board. Fitz? Yeah, like uh, obviously the Chargers, they, they bungled it up uh, this week and obviously you can't discount that happening again but do you imagine at, well, at home in inverted commas they can put away the Cardinals team who just lost Oakland uh, but you know I would be completely surprised if it kind of turned into something similar to last week hopefully they come right hopefully it works out for them uh, Pittsburgh at Denver we've gone for Pittsburgh across the board um, look I'd like to say that that performance against the Chargers gives us hope but like I don't I don't really see it to be honest Pittsburgh are a more explosive offence I think Denver got a couple of lucky breaks in that one I'd love them to do it I think it would be great but uh, but yeah I can't really see past this Pittsburgh offence and their defence has been stepping up of late as well so that should be interesting uh, Miami at Indianapolis we've gone for Indianapolis across the board Harry Indy have looked really really good uh, recently well okay relative to what we expect yeah. from Indianapolis I should clarify they look way better than expected and Luck has Luck's been fantastic we've seen mm-hmm. that's obviously then yeah. turned around T.Y. Hilton Eric Ebron is now useful the O-line is now good which is weird Marlon Mack is great uh, Miami are yeah look I mean we've seen we know what Miami are at this point which is just a trash pile. I don't like, I have no idea what they are at all they are, they I, are I, I don't giant, even know who their wide receivers are burning, I know that they are they injured they are a giant burning pile of wet socks that's what they are. They, that, that is Miami. They Fragrant. are just a team you don't want to be anywhere near. You don't want to watch well. them. You just like they're shit. They're yeah. a shit team. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. So Indianapolis there to take the win at home. Green Bay at Minnesota. Uh, I've gone for Green Bay. Fitz has gone for Minnesota. Harry has gone for both these teams are secretly very bad. I don't think it's that secretly. To be honest, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Think they're both. They, they're about. They're about where we were on the Eagles uh, three weeks ago. So. Yeah. Where we're like, they're probably bad, but I'm willing to give a little bit yeah. of a chance. Who, who are you actually going for at the end of the time? I'm going to go for whichever one of you convinces me more. Okay. Uh, do you want to go first? You get out. Uh, sure. Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> they're playing with their best, uh, with their best, most most efficient running back they've ever done. They realise in the first half that that works, and then the second half they forgot that it worked. So now they're going to go, oh yeah, that thing worked, uh, and do it here. Minnesota looked trash last week. I, I don't think that like Minnesota their offensive line huge problem there but if they can get Dalvin Cook going Stefan Diggs look good again I just when I look at Green Bay Mike McCarthy right now looks like a dead man walking him or probably should be if the fans had their way yeah. um, and I think Minnesota I think they've had some issues this year like, like in terms of injuries and stuff like that I, just, I think their defense has the ability to step up really well on occasion, and I just feel like in a division game, this is the kind of game where the defense is like, okay, we're, we're in this, we want to get to the wild card, or we want to compete against Chicago, so let's absolutely get to Aaron Rodgers, and that has been possible over the last month or so, um, but if well, if, if Aaron Rodgers would stop holding the ball and just check down, that might ameliorate that. So will Aaron Rodgers learn how to check down this game? If yes, then <laughs> Connor's probably okay, but if no, then it could be a Seahawks-type game in my opinion. Uh, interesting, though, that the, the, both the argument was Aaron Rodgers versus Mike McCarthy, really. Is the, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah, I didn't find out that was particularly convincing. I'm going to go with Minnesota because they're at home, I think. 
think. Cool. Next up is the last game. Uh, this is the fabulous Monday Night Football. I bet we'll all be coming down and setting up for this Why one. Why is this game relevant? Tennessee at Houston. Good God. Uh, we've all gone for Houston. Why? Because they can throw football and Tennessee are shite. Uh, I kind of want Tennessee to win just because it means a better chance that the Colts will be the team that comes from the AFC South and that would be much preferable to either of these. Uh, horrible, horrible bit of Monday Night scheduling. You have five really good, well, five or six really good players, Houston. Next year, when you have some more, we'll 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 we'll, come we'll back talk. To you. We'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll wrap it up for the moment. So, uh, any other crack with yourselves, lads? Any plans for the next next few days? Oh God, no, I've used up all my plans <laughs> after this. After it's this been a marination, I yeah. feel. Yeah, uh, vegetation well, sounds good. Mm, not too bad. I think uh, I've got. Uh, I'm going to go see go to Lighthouse Cinema on Friday to go see Rocky defeats Communism. Mm. It uh, should be good fun because it's. Uh, I think it's next week. Creed Two is out, so uh, nice. they are they're they're doing an, a, an event for one of the best films uh, of all time. <laughs> Uh, apart from that, nothing too wild or crazy planned with myself. Yeah, no, same here. Nothing too crazy. Uh, desperately looking at my fantasy teams. Oh yeah, trying to find some Playoffs of that are coming up soon. sweet, sweet waiver wire cover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Kiki Cootie. Uh, <laughs> Zay Jones. Oh, brilliant. Whoa, Zay Jones. Whoa, he's Buffaloes. Yeah. Wow. Oh, because all nice. of the uh, all of the glory chasers will have picked up Trey Smith by that point. <laughs> Oh, oh I don't know, the Josh Reynolds hype train pulling into the station now, man. Mm. Yeah, but he's on a bye, it doesn't help me this week. Yeah, but you forget that the points chasers are... Well, I've already picked him up in the leagues that matter. Who's going to a 10-man league? He's like, you can put any player there. Strong, strong. Uh, but yeah, so I suppose that'll wrap us up for now. Uh, as always, get us online if you want to get in contact. But for now, uh, it's bye from myself, bye from Harry. Bye. Bye from Ronan. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.